Shalom, everyone, and welcome to our ICEJ weekly webinar uh, coming to you from the headquarters of the International Christian Embassy in Jerusalem. Uh, we apologize for the delay in the start of today's webinar, uh, we, um, but uh, we just thank everyone who's joining us and uh, all those who will be watching over the weekend. Uh, we have a very hot topic uh, concerning the current conflict between Israel and Hamas in Gaza. It, it's uh, basically looking at uh, um, Israel's right and even duty to dismantle Hamas in Gaza. And our guest today is uh, Ruth Wasserman Landy. Uh, Ruth has an um, outstanding uh, uh, academic credential. She has uh, degrees with honors from Bar-Lan Bar University, from uh, Hebrew University, as well as Harvard. She's worked with Israel's uh, foreign ministry, uh, both in the UK, Ireland, Scandinavia, in Cairo. She was an advisor to um, uh, Shimon Peres when he was uh, at Beit Hanasi, uh, serving as president of, of Israel. And uh, uh, she's also, over her career, uh, been involved in uh, Jewish-Arab uh, relations, both here in and uh, within Israel, with the, the Arab population of, of Israel, but also in the region involved in the whole Abraham Accords effort, which is really hanging in the balance. If you saw the headlines today, there are reports that Bahrain, one of the original signatories to the uh, uh, Abraham Accords, is... is uh, shutting down relations with Israel right now. Of course, United Arab Emirates are hanging in there. Uh, and, but uh, Ruth, welcome to the ICJ weekly webinar. And thank you to all the listeners that uh, you took time off of your busy schedules to listen to something which I believe and feel is very, very important. Um, Israel before October 7th and Israel after uh, October 7th is not the same Israel. And um, I dare say that it won't come back to be the same Israel. The shock that we, Israelis, but I think many people in the world uh, received after October 7th in the face of the horrors and the um, absolute atrocities that were perpetrated um, in the name of God knows who. And I say this in particular to people who have faith. I have faith. You have faith. Um, the so-called perpetrators uh, seemingly uh, were performing these atrocities in the name of some faith. But we all know that no faith can possibly justify anything even close to so horrific. And I will take, with your permission, and I apologize in advance, one minute mm -hmm. to describe just some of the very difficult uh, things that were, that were done. And I think that I cannot forego this, despite it being extraordinarily difficult, because it um, emphasizes and it epitomizes why Israel is currently 
in a state which it had never been in before. And why I said and opened it up by saying that Israel after October 7th will not be the same Israel. Thousands of operatives, Hamas operatives, and again, operatives is too nice a word for these people, entered uh, the south of Israel after meticulous planning and after systematic uh, preparation. This was not a kind of a spontaneous event. It was uh, destined and engineered to be extremely hurtful and extremely inhumane in order to have Israel retaliate in the manner that it is retaliating and answer to that um, kind of complete casus uh, belli, a declaration of war, in a manner which will indeed cause other countries to come in so-called uh, inevitably like Iran, maybe like Turkey, but certainly like Qatar, like Russia, like other countries in order to help those that are being retaliated against. This could not have been something spontaneous. It was meticulously planned and this could be seen on the programs found on the dead bodies of the terrorists or those that had been caught by the IDF. Very precise orders were given to kill, to cut off parts of the body. I don't even want to say which parts. To gang rape women to take hostage children and the elderly back to Gaza. They were given precise orders to perform atrocities, hoping and enticing Israel to retaliate strongly in order, and again I say this, to make other role players in the region, which are the masterminds of this horror, come in and play a much more um, active role in the war. And that is exactly what is playing out. After these atrocities were perpetrated, and there are endless evidence of these atrocities, by the way, the evidence was videoed by the perpetrators themselves. And the IDF, the spokesperson unit and the Ministry of Foreign Affairs for the first time ever in Israeli history is showing these atrocities to international journalists stationed in Israel and to decision makers. We usually never show such things. We do not show severed bodies. This is not the Israeli style. This is the Arab style to show if Israel, God forbid, bombarded a certain place, that people were injured and hurt. This is not Israel's way. But because of the severe uh, nature of this attack, there was a decision made that the world must know. And why must it know? 
because these atrocities remind not only the Jewish people, but people who are Christian who saw these atrocities of those that were performed in the Second World War by the Nazis. Yes, they weren't as many because the IDF was here to stop them. But if the IDF did not stop them, the vastness of these atrocities would have been much higher. And therefore, when we speak about retaliation, when we speak about a response, the need to understand is the magnitude with which we think about the Second World War, the atrocities performed in the Holocaust. And I say this after watching the 47-minute movie, unedited, which I'm not even sure if I recommend for any of you to watch, but those of you who feel that they have the strength to stand or to sit and watch, it's not easy, my friends, but it is so important to understand what Israel is facing, and not only Israel. I opened and I want to reiterate and I will continue to reiterate. This is not a war between Hamas and Israel. It's not a war between Hamas and Israel. And it's very important to understand those that have masterminded this plan are very cool, very collected, very calm, and unfortunately, very intelligent. The way that they plan is by using the Arabs upon which they look down. The Hamas in Gaza, the Palestinians in general, about whom they do not care how many of them will be killed and slaughtered is of no importance. The Hezbollah in the north in Lebanon, the Hamas in Lebanon as well. The Hamas and the Islamic Jihad in the West Bank. By the way, I live five minutes from the fence. In Israel proper, undisputed Israel in the north of the Sharon area. All of these were calmly and cruelly perpetrated by the mastermind behind this atrocity and that is the Islamic Republic of Iran, currently run by the Mullahs. Not the Ayatollah, which is a religious standing, and this is too high of a standing with which to call those Imams, those Mullahs. These are people that have death and destruction in their hearts. Cruelty and anything but religion, which is supposedly pure. I have no doubt as a believing person that God could not have intended such horrors. And after planning this, by the way, for years, infiltrating the Gaza Strip in Gaza by the Hamas, after throwing out the Fatah, which ruled the West Bank at the moment, Abu Mazen as the president of the West Bank, 
the so-called rightful representative of the Palestinians, was thrown out with his operatives from Gaza after the IDF left in 2006. These Fatah operatives were lynched by the Hamas. I remind you, Palestinians against Palestinians. They were shot in the kneecaps and thrown out of the windows and ran away towards the IDF to be saved. This is after IDF withdrew from the Gaza Strip. Not one Israeli soldier was left there. So when people speak of the occupation, what occupation do they speak of in the Gaza Strip? There was no occupation since 2006. And not only that, but do the Hamas care about the Palestinian people? If so, why did they not deal with providing them with one shelter? Throughout the years since 2006, the Israeli government legally obliging every Israeli who builds a house to build a shelter. Why do the Hamas not make their population have shelter? Only the Hamas operatives have shelter in the underground tunnel, which they had built with billions of dollars paid for by the UN, by the USAID, by the European Union, by Canadian dollars, by taxpayers' dollars throughout the democratic world. Notice that no non-democratic country gave money to build those underground tunnels, weapons, attack mechanisms for the Hamas. There is a kind of naivete that I hope and I pray and I ask you to help me and others who understand reveal to the Western world, this is not a Hamas-Israel war. This is an all-out regional war which is supposed to attack first and foremost the standing order of the international arena led by the United States of America. This is an Iran declaration of war supported by Russia quietly supported by China, it's a war waged against the free world. And this can be seen how the Houthis, who are yet another arm of Iranians in Yemen, are suddenly inside this war. They had previously attacked Saudi Arabia because Iran is against Saudi Arabia. Now they're attacking Israel. Why? Because Iran wants an all-out huge undertaking of the war for the United States to come in, for the Western world to come in, because that is the real reason behind the waging of this war. It is not a Hamas Israel endeavor. By the way, Israelis dug 
out the graves of the Jewish people in Gaza when they left in 2005. The first thing that Hamas did to free Gaza, which was free of even Jewish bones in 2006, after they lynched the Fatah, was to burn every single synagogue, the houses of God, which were empty. But they burned the houses of God in Gaza. That was the first thing that they saw fit to do. And then they did not take the billions of dollars given to them by Qatar, which unfortunately my government cooperated in passing to the Hamas because they thought mistakenly for years that it would buy quiet. Big, big misconception. They didn't provide shelters, housing, infrastructure, sustainable sources of income, jobs and employment for their people because the people are irrelevant. They are used not as human shields. They are used as a sacrifice to gain the big game, which is power and money and regional hegemony. And let's not get confused. The Iranians declare war on the backs of the Arabs. The Persian mullahs looking down patronizingly upon those Arabs, use them like the Khotis in Yemen, the Hezbollah, the Hamas, the Islamic Jihad. They are calling the Shiites in Iraq to attack American and American assets. They are calling openly, without shame, to Muslims throughout the world to kill every single Jew, to take up arms in a holy jihad, and after the Jews will come the turn of all the non-believers. Who are the non-believers? What is this unholy crusade calling to do? To create a worldwide caliphate, this time not by ISIS, which is Sunni, this time by Iran, which is Shiite. Same. Same horror. Same disrespect for the Sacred, sacredness of man, which was created by one God, one God. And in this battle, I'm sorry if it sounds like a movie, like theater, dramatic, cliche, we are living it. Your embassy in Jerusalem feels it is also living through it. One needs not rely on my words. One need only check online the books, the school books, the syllabus which is fed and nurtured to the generation of tomorrow in Jordan, in the Palestinian Authority, in the West Bank, and of course, above all, in Gaza. Children are taught to hate, 
to kill, to carnage, to massacre. They are then brought to summer camps to be taught to be martyrs. It's insane. This is not a sane world. It's a horrific movie, which unfortunately has come to life in this region. But this region is just the beginning. We see in the United States and throughout the world a huge, shocking surge of anti-Semitism. How does that free Palestine? How does gang raping 25 men, a woman in front of the eyes of her partner, her husband, free Palestine? How does beheading babies help to free Palestine, which I remind you, was free even of the bonds of Jewish people because they were excavated and taken out in 2006. This is not about freeing Palestine. This is a stain on the religion of Islam. The sheikhs throughout the world that have honor should come out and condemn you as Christians, believers, as people of faith, please call out their horror, their shame. Where are you, sheikhs? Men and women of religion that have whole communities come behind you. Where are you to condemn this horror that is then shamelessly put on social media? Shamelessly. And then I'm asked by some sheikhs, sheikhs that are so-called not extreme, Sunni sheikhs in Israel, that have nothing to do with Iran and the Shiite entity. They say, we are against all evil. I ask them, what do you mean by all evil? There is a very blatant evil here. It's very blunt in front of our faces. Needs to be condemned. It's a wrong against humanity. What all evil are you talking about? And then they talk about the bombardments of the IDF in Gaza. The whole world, not the leaders, because the leaders saw the videos. They saw the movie. They know the intelligence. They have the information. They know what is Hamas. Egyptians know what is Hamas. Their leadership has battled the Muslim Brotherhood in their country for years and decades. They will not allow one Gazan Palestinian into their territory. Why? The declarations and their public opinion says we must help our brothers in Gaza against the Israeli 
attacks. Why is Egypt leadership not allowing one Gazan unless, and it's only now being agreed to, they're injured and are going after a very perfect check by their security into the field hospital, which they have uh, established by the Rafah border. Why is this not allowed by the Egyptians? Because the Egyptians know what is the Gazan population. They know what is Hamas. They are not prepared to take one male, uninjured Gazan man into their territory because they understand what a threat that is. And they say, we are not prepared to make a solution on the back of our security. And I can understand them. Abu Mazen, Abu Mazen, the Palestinian leader, the so-called leader of the Palestinians in the West Bank, said, we don't want to take responsibility over the Gaza Strip, over the Palestinians in the Gaza Strip, after the Hamas will be cleared by Israel. Why doesn't he want to take responsibility over his own people? Because he knows that there is a huge support for Hamas after years and years of indoctrination. We saw, we saw the celebrations of the people in the streets after the Hamas took grandmothers on the motorcycle hitting them on their heads after they were already wounded, after the carnage, taking them hostage. These were faced with celebration by Palestinians, not all of them, by many Palestinians. Candy was handed out in the Palestinian street. Does that mean that Israel wants to hurt Mothers and children know that's why the IDF is calling in Arabic by phone and by pamphlet. Come out of those buildings, go southwards. We are providing humanitarian aid. A lot of humanitarian aid southwards. We do not want to bombard civilians. We just want to kill those who had carnage massacred, raped, and beheaded us. And we will, because we have no choice. Because if God forbid they remain, they will continue, and they say it openly, unashamedly, disgustingly. They will continue to raid, kill, massacre, burn alive. This was videotaped. Rapes of young girls in their beds. Burning alive people. Cutting the breasts of women while they live. I cannot continue because I don't want you to be so shocked that you will not be able to take this plea and do the utmost.
to call the Pope and every single religious Christian leader in the world. And they are powerful. People listed in Latin America and in Europe and in the United States of America, in Australia and Canada. People listen in Africa. They must know the truth. And the reason why I'm not afraid to speak to anyone, Palestinians, Al Jazeera, anyone, there's no hard question which I'm afraid of, is because this is the truth. Thank you, Ruth. I, I uh, um, appreciate uh, uh, what you've uh, given us here. I, I think one of the reasons I, I wanted you on uh, today's webinar is because you're very passionate about uh, what has happened in the wake of the October 7th massacres, and that has really come through. I hadn't finished uh, giving your credentials. You're a former Knesset member with uh, the Blue and White Party, I guess, in the previous uh, government, and uh, you've moved on to other things right now. But I think you could describe yourself as fairly centrist as an Israeli, but I, I think you represent and someone who was working for peace, reconciliation, normalization with Israeli Arabs, with Palestinians, and with the wider Arab world, and yet this has really shocked you as well. And I think you sort of embody uh, the um, yeah the shock that most Israelis are going through, and the resolve to dismantle Hamas and get it as far away from Israel's borders as you can. I, I'd have to say that in doing it with much uh, passion, and I've seen you on some of the other appearances where you were quite feisty with some of these uh, Palestinian spokesmen and all their lies about occupation. When they say, uh, even Russia said uh, today, Israel doesn't have the right to defend itself because it's an occupier. But if you go by the Palestinian definition, it's not Israel's occupation of Gaza, it's Israel's occupation of the land of Israel. Exactly. This. Yeah. Let me ask you, I think, uh, because we started late, we only have around five, six more minutes, but uh, you've worked with Israeli Arabs, you've worked with uh, the Abraham Accord countries and all. There's a battle between those who don't want this radical jihadist, Wahhabist, Salafist, Islam, and those who are moderate and want to live quiet lives, and they're willing to normalize with Israel for the sake of stability and the reason. Where is that battle going right now? It looks like a lot of even Israeli Arabs were really turned off by what Hamas did. So it's an excellent question, David, and thank you for, for allowing me the platform to answer it. Mm -hmm. um, I spent my entire life working with Arabs outside of Israel. I spent three years as the deputy ambassador in the Israeli embassy in Cairo. I speak Arabic. I learned Islam. And uh, I spent many years working also voluntarily uh, with Israeli Arabs. Um, in creating sustainable sources of income in the different villages and the periphery. And I think this is very relevant to the fact that as an Arabist, as somebody that comes from a place of 
a lot of respect, a lot of respect for humans in the first place, but also to Arabs and to Muslims. The world, unfortunately, in a very, um, I would say, clear manner, divides itself right now into good and bad. The good are those moderates that you speak of, and the bad are those that thrive. It's not bad, it's evil. (laughs) Evil. Bad is a very poor word. Evil that thrives from instability, poverty, lack of education, ignorance, Mm. hatred. We all understand. The less people know the more ignorant they are, the poorer they are, the easier it is to incite them. That's what Hamas did with a lot of Palestinians when they sent them to this carnage, while their leaders have billions of dollars in the back. And many of them are living outside of Gaza, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about the Abraham Accord countries, by the way, Bahrain, there was a decision in the parliament. There was no official decision by the government. Okay. And it was denied thus far. Okay. Bahrain and the United Arab Emirates and Morocco and Egypt and Jordan, Mm -hmm. they all have on the one hand their public opinion, the street, all of which was fed and nurtured by anti-Israeli rhetoric for years and years. We only signed the Abraham Accords in 2020. Since then, there's been a change in the UAE. There's been a change in the curriculum, significant, to become more tolerant, to become more inclusive. But this is very recent. In Egypt, the change has been very relative. Mm -hmm. Even in Saudi Arabia, it began, but it hasn't been at all completed, and so on and so forth. In Jordan, it hasn't happened at all. So basically, we have crowds, public, which is anti-Israeli, because that's what they've been taught for years, that Israel is the enemy, and not only Israel, the Jewish people are the enemy. The anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism is intertwined. And oftentimes in the Arab world, it is difficult for people to differentiate. And then we have the government. The governments that I mentioned seek stability. They don't want this to leak into their own territories. They want prosperity. They want the growth, the economic growth, which cannot be with Iran, Hamas, Hezbollah, Islamic Jihad. They know that. They fight that. In the UAE, the Muslim Brotherhood are outlawed. It is impossible to belong to the Muslim Brotherhood in the UAE and not get arrested. In Egypt, they're outlawed. Where are they not outlawed? In the United States of America. 
in France, in Germany. That's where all the demonstrations are. Who is leading those huge demonstrations? A lot of the refugees. It's organized by Iranian and Qatari money that, by the way, funds a lot of the universities. This is the way that they are planning and executing the world jihad. It's not a movie. It's not a horror film. It's not unrealistic. It's happening. And perhaps this is God's sign as an awakening call. Am I optimistic that the Abraham Accords will survive this? Yes. Am I asking you to do everything? To make sure that this happens, yes. With the help of the Christian leaders. With the help of the Christian world, which is big and significant and powerful. Because this is the security card for the region of the world. The good must overcome the evil. And the good is dependent on the coalitions that you yourself had mentioned. Yeah. All right. Well, um, look, uh, we were having to cut it a little short. We have our global prayer gathering coming up in just a few minutes at four o'clock. We've gone to daily prayer on our global prayer gathering. Please, those who are, are here on the, the live uh, webinar right now, please join us at the top of the hour for the prayer. But uh, Ruth, we appreciate your time. Sorry, it's a little shortened today because of uh, the the delayed start, but uh, we'll have to have you back soon uh, here on the webinar to talk more about it. I think you're a wealth of information, and and you speak it forth with m much power and conviction, and we appreciate that. We're with you. We're with Israel. We agree there's been all this uh, even denial of the atrocities, just as there was there's denial of the Holocaust, and uh, you know we. I've seen some footage of uh, the um, you know this hor horrific 47-minute video. I've seen shortened clips of it, and uh, it's very, very repulsive. And I went and visited uh, Kibbutz Be'eri and and Kafar Aza yesterday, and saw things that uh, will halt me for years. But uh, we're standing with Israel. We're doing relief aid, solidarity, prayer, and everything we can, and speaking up that Hamas has to be dismantled, not only for the sake of Israel, that they won't have to face this again, but for even the Palestinian people. I think, Ruth, it's a good, it's, it's a, the core of the issue that you can have programs to fight poverty, but if you still indoctrinate to hate, like the Gazans have been, it's 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 a waste. You're going to waste David, a generation. I just want to end by, with your permission, by really thanking you for your prayers for Israel. I will join you in my language, in my way. And uh, please, God, uh, be strong and you will help us. Amen. Amen. All Thank right. You. Israel, Hazak, Israel. Thank you. Be strong, and uh, Adonai is with you. All right, we thank you for your time. Uh, we'll thank be you. back uh, next week with uh, more ICJ webinars.